0: This is the Wealthy Contractor Podcast brought to you by G4 Marketing, interviews with today's top home improvement entrepreneurs about marketing, sales, money, mindset, and lifestyle. Now, here's your host, Brian Cascavalsian All right, everybody, welcome to another episode of the Wealthy Contractor Podcast. This is Brian Cascavalsian with G4 Marketing Group. And today, I have got the boys from Outback Deck. Brian Miller and John Gwaltney on with me. This is actually the first time that we've had business partners on the podcast. So I am uh, I'm very excited because these guys have a really unique partnership and. And I'm excited to share their story with you and kind of dig in and talk about what makes a good partnership and maybe what makes a bad partnership. I have definitely had experience with that. So guys, welcome. I appreciate you being here. Thanks for having us.
1: Thank you very much.
0: Okay, that was Brian first and then John. I told them at the beginning that um to identify themselves just so you can kind of get used to their to their voice. So, uh if they don't do it, I'll do it. I'll I'll jump in. By the way, uh people that are listening, we appreciate you being here and uh listening to the podcast. It's it's really done a lot more than I ever thought it would do in terms of reach. If you haven't done so already, go to the well- wealthycontractor.com the wealthycontractor.com and check out all of the resources that are there that are available for you almost all of them are at zero cost to you, so make sure you go and do that. All right, guys. So let's let's start off with your story. But I think you know what might be kind of interesting here is let's get a version from each of you. So maybe a couple minutes from you, Brian, your your background, and then how you guys got together, and then and then we'll hear John's version of the same story.
2: Great. Well, um, my name Brian Miller. Uh, I've been in the construction business for over 25 years cut my teeth as a Serta Pro Painters franchisee and also worked for corporate Serta Pro Painters. So come out of the franchise business and building systems and processes to build successful companies. And then in the latter part of the 90s, I decided to get involved in construction and started a business called Renovation Associates. That business still operates today as part of the Virtus family of companies that John and I partner in. And that business is primarily fo- focuses on additions and kitchens and bathrooms and basements. So that's sort of our interiors brand. In, in contrast, Outback is our external sort of outdoor living brand. And that's a company that I started back in 07. Uh, this is actually our 10-year anniversary for Outback Deck. And that was a response to my consumer's Ah, uh, requesting help during the downturn in the economy and their inability to find a quality contractor. We were still in business, and people started asking us about outdoor living and what we could do to help with decks and porches. And so we started down that pathway, and that really turned into a landslide of an event for us. That during that time is when I met John, and he was working in his own company at the time. We were competing, and I was doing more in deck and porch than he was, and um, and so. Sort of at the, the long and the short of all that is um, today we, we are one of the largest outdoor living brands in the southeast. And we build more deck imports than anyone in our marketplace. And it is the lion's share of the business now.
0: Awesome. John?
1: Well, thank you. Uh, yep, my name is John Gwaltney. I'll give you a brief history of how I ended up in Atlanta. I left the the army in 1994 and uh, lived in Tallahassee, Florida, for till 2001. Worked a white collar medical career at the time and came to Atlanta with the idea of changing directions and career. Worked for a family member for a few years, and we were the the core of that company. Was there were a lot of bad siding claims in the nation a lot of class action. And this firm helped homeowners file those claims and I worked for them. So when I was in Atlanta in around 2004, I started thinking about maybe someone needs to replace all that siding that's being claimed. And so I started a company at the time called Nehemiah Reconstruction and it morphed into Nehemiah Exteriors. And so fast forward to 2008, 2009, the downturn, just like everybody felt. Um, I was blessed because I wasn't carrying any debt. So I was able to make it through the downturn without getting crushed completely. Um, and that was a big a big piece of surviving. But Brian and I ended up in a networking group together of contractors, like-minded contractors, just referring people to one another. I had a small part of my business was doing decks, but the, the group that we were in, I was the siding window guy and Brian was the deck guy. Um, we also, I think, did some bathrooms and kitchens out of that group. And we just started a Kinship. We tell a funny story that we actually competed on the same job. And I, I thought I was going to win the job because when I went to the customer Customer's house actually went through their deck, uh, sliced up my arm and thought, gosh, blood should pay for the deck, right? I should win. And Brian actually stole the job from me and he was actually $500 more expensive. So tells you the kind of sales guy he is. But anyway, that was, that was a fun time. But we started just sharing. And then as the... We started coming out of the downturn. Brian had some office space that opened up. I was looking to get back out of my house. I had returned during the downturn from an office. And so we ended up in the same office space, sharing some personnel. And then Brian had an unfortunate event. Brian played college hockey. He was playing over 40 hockey. And uh, a guy, he was playing goalie. And a guy slid into him and uh, fractured his leg pretty, pretty bad. compound almost a compound fracture spiral fracture of what like 13 inches Brian pretty pretty significant and um, he ended up sort of the non-weight-bearing for about four months and about eight of those weeks he was in rehab sort of not really able to manage to manage his side of his business. And so I just started helping his guys. I'd get there in the morning and I'd help him get out the door. And that just sort of started a kinship of share was at home. I would stop by his house two or three times a week and say, Hey, here's what's going on that I saw. He was still in contact with the guys, but it was a tough spot. But what that, that became the catalyst for us sort of inadvertently partnering it wasn't it was an organic thing and it wasn't intentional on the front end other than uh, we we knew that we were like-minded we had a similar faith component component and uh, we enjoyed just we enjoyed construction it was fun for us
0: that's great that's an awesome story you know i want to point something out that you said that i think is really important that going into the downturn you were fortunate that you didn't have debt And I, I, one of the points that I, uh, uh, you know, I talk about this quite a bit, but I want to make the point because you just brought it up is now is not the time for anybody in business to be taking on debt. You need to be in a very, very healthy cash position so that when, not if, when things do turn around again, you're in a strong position because had you been in buried in debt, the downturn could have been a lot worse, like it was for, for many people. So I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that because I always like to throw that in if I, if I can. Give us an idea of um, Outback Deck, if you guys don't mind, about how many projects are you guys uh, completing a year?
2: Right, so we complete around about 175 to 200 projects per year. Most of those, or the lion's share of those, are going to be uh, upscale outdoor living type projects, so that would be anything that's a synthetic deck with a aluminum type rail system or cable rail system. Uh, to a customized porch project and at times will include uh, hardscaping. So we do patio and paver and outdoor fireplaces and outdoor kitchens. We take on most of those projects if it's a what we call a combination job. So for Outback, it really all starts with the deck. We do a great job of marketing for deck and attracting consumers who want a deck that requires a lot less maintenance than what's typically here in Georgia, which is a lot of pressure treated. So we do mostly synthetic type products and, and the focus is on serving the consumer at a really high level and providing an exceptional experience. And at the same time, giving them product that they don't have hassles with moving forward. Yeah. And you
0: guys would consider yourself the premium priced or one of the premium priced providers in the market. You are not going to be cheaper than the next guy.
1: Yeah, we that's absolutely true. And actually, we when we're interviewing sales guys, we want to be really clear with them. Hey, you're going to be the most expensive guy walking in the house. Know that. Be uh, be confident in that, have strength in that. But it, but that's not because we just need to be the, most, the highest priced because we're going to deliver both a product but mainly a service level that is going to be premium. And in North Atlanta, that's what they want, what they desire, the customer. And we've decided we're going to be the company to provide that for them.
0: Yeah and and you guys know i mean that's the position that i always aspire to be in with with whatever I'm doing I think that and i and i suggest it for everybody you know you said something really great when you when you bring on new salespeople you tell them right up front we're gonna be more expensive
1: well home improvement is a unique career choice but one of the things about home improvement sales is I tell folks all the time, we think they can come in and do it easily. If you've never sat across the table from someone and heard the word no in their house, you've, you really don't know what it sounds like to hear no. So when you're the most expensive guy, you're gonna hear no almost immediately. So you need to feel good about that. You need to feel confident, but you need to know why. And if you right. can explain why and explain the value, then it's, then it's good. But we have a lot of guys who interview from other industries who feel like they can do it. And, and I want them to know it's, it's, it's a great business. We love it. We enjoy it. No, it's just another obstacle for us, but
0: yeah. But, but we need well, to just, folks to- well, it's just every no is just one step closer to yes. Right. Absolutely. And, and, and look, you know, the, they're always going to get a no, regardless of the price, whether you're premium priced or you are the Walmart of home improvement. The first reaction by every homeowner is going to be, oh my God, I didn't think it was going to be that much, right? So you might as well be the premium guy because they're going to have that objection anyway, right? I mean have you ever walked in I mean you could probably walk in I think you I think we talked about this when we were together but you could come in and and put down your cost on the job your cost labor material here it is and they're still going to tell you Oh my God, that's more than I thought, right? So I love the prep work. I love that you you prep the guys ahead of time and say, "Look, if you're squeamish and you know you don't have the fortitude to stand up when somebody says no to you and and show them value, this isn't
2: the place for you." Yeah, we think that's really very true. And in, in fact, you're not going to be in business very long if you don't understand what the consumer needs to hear from you as a contractor most consumers they don't know how to make a purchase decision at at this level most customers haven't purchased a large outdoor living project uh, of this magnitude so you know if our average job is 35 to forty thousand dollars, porches go north of that we do lots of projects that are in the six-figure range and that's not a purchasing decision that most people are used to making. They need and require from their consultant just that, consultation. They need education, they need understanding, they need someone to hold their hand and help them through the process so they can make the best decision for their home and their budget. Most people don't know what the budget needs to be, so we have to figure out a way to have that conversation on the front end and be honest with people and then guide them through the process of making the right choice for themselves. That
0: that is one of the best raps that I've heard in a long time on building value into into what you do. That was that was that was very good. Um you know the other side of it too is part of the reason why you are also premium priced uh, aside from positioning is that you know your numbers. You guys are I mean it's very impressive how you guys are with your with your numbers. And you know the profit number you you need to be at. And so you build the business, the pricing, the value around that profit model. Is that safe to say? So the,
1: this is John. So uh, I, my position in our company is financial manager. Um, so my job is to look at the numbers every day and watch the numbers every day and make sure I figure out how to communicate to, that, to my team so they can also look at the numbers and be financially fluent. Um, that's important here. That's that's one of our big items that we want to make sure our team can understand the numbers. But I would I would give I would give credit to Certified Contractors Network. We joined them uh, in the downturn, and uh, one of the things they teach quickly is know your numbers. I had a pretty good I had a pretty good idea of what my numbers were, but learning to fully budget that starts with what do you want the bottom line to look like. What does that mean, and how do you service? And then over the years, learning how to do that in our specific niche. And then Brian and I, from day one, being on the same page that we were in business because we loved customers and we loved the construction world, but we were in business to to see profit and grow our company and make a future. And that has been something that has been it's it never wavers with us. It's who we are. It's what we want to do and accomplish. And uh, we have a greater mission, and that takes dollars. And so you have to plan for all that.
0: to grow their businesses with powerful reporting tools to see which leads are making money, which sales reps are the top performers, and where to optimize for the greatest impact. We're talking about winning more jobs, boosting productivity, and delighting your customers. Are you ready to fuel your business growth even faster without all the daily frustrations of your current tech stack? You owe it to yourself, your team, and your business to learn why everyone is switching over to Builder Prime. The only true does it all CRM for home improvement contractors. Head over to builderprime.com and request a personalized demo with an expert today. Let's talk a little bit about let's talk about partnership and having a a, a good partnership. I was on the phone with a client the other day and we were talking, we were having a conversation about kind of where they are in the business, where they want to go. And we're, you know, there was a few areas that we were talking about specifically. And, and one of the things that came up was the partner. So I was talking with the one partner that I know and I have a relationship with. And I don't, I don't really know the other partner, but I learned a little bit about their dynamic. And it is not an uncommon one. They are not aligned. They are kind of, there's one partner that's like, you know, he's driven. He wants to go here, wants to go there, do this, do that. And then the other partner is a little more, you know, tentative, a little bit more like, you know, things are, the status quo is good. How do you guys align with each other so that you're going in the same direction not going off in two different directions
2: yeah that's uh this is brian that's a great question brian um you know john and i have worked hard over the last eight years now to communicate pretty routinely but i think there are probably two areas where we've made choices that have really impacted the long-term partnership number one we each have responsibility over certain areas of the company, and we don't do a lot of crossing over. When I say that, I mean, right now, I'm the partner responsible for sales, um, and I'm the partner responsible for leadership team. So I work on those areas. I spend my focus time and my energy in those areas primarily. I, I'm i capable and able to do financial and work with production, but those are John's areas. So the direct reporting in those specific areas of the company, there's a chain of command. And what that does is it allows us to have a team that knows to whom do they need to go if they have a question or a concern or something needs to be managed. It's uncommon that then John and I won't circle up and have a conversation. If it's something that could be catastrophic or a decision or a choice that needs to be made by the partners, And we would almost always bring that to each other and not simply go it alone. But one partner is going to be the leader in those areas. I think the second piece and probably the more important piece is we choose to favor the other person over ourselves. So if there's a disagreement I've made the choice that I'm going to lean in and and I'm going to be the guy who says, "Hey John, if you feel that passionately about it, I'll I'll step back and we'll go that way with with what you feel." John will do the same thing for me. Brian, if you feel that passionately and you feel like that's really what we need to do, I I'm going to lean in and, and allow you, and you know, and that decision will work. And we, and then we support each other in that. No one ever looks at the other guy and says, "Well, wow, that was a lousy idea that you had. It's too bad that you made that choice. You know, I, I, it's gonna, it's gonna hurt you, but it's not gonna hurt me." That's, that's not the way we are here. We look at it and we say, "What's best for the organization? What's best for the other guy?" and, and that's where we live. When we do that, we are making a decision that. I'm not first. I don't live in I need to be first and I need to be right. John doesn't live in he needs to be first and he needs to be right. We live in collectively, we need to do what's best for each other and what's best for the organization. When we make those kind of choices, it's it's pretty simple to to run a quality partnership. There are always there are always going to be disagreements. There's there's no doubt about that, but it's not whether or not that's going to happen. It's how do you handle those situations? It's the same thing we tell our customers. Hey, it's not if there's going to be a problem in construction. It's when there is, what do we do? How do we respond? And do we respond out of a place of, hey, I'm going to favor you, the consumer, or do we respond out of a place of selfishness? And we refuse to do that to one another. And that's sort of one of the landmarks of of our partnership.
0: That's awesome. Interestingly enough, I think, also sounds like the recipe for a great marriage too. I'd like to to hear kind of your answer to that
1: same question. Sure. Thank you. Um, I'll talk about a, maybe a couple of pragmatic things that sometimes we get asked about. When we first came together, we made a choice that as we started to approach this, that we would listen to wise people who always would always say, go get an attorney. <laughs> And so that's what we did. We went and we went and met with an attorney and said, "Hey, this is who we are. This is what we think we want to do." And we listened to their advice. We invested in that. That that caused us to do. Um, but it was really smart, and it allowed us to figure out how to move forward. Yet, if it wasn't going to come together, how to back out equally. Um, uh, without the stress of that. And so that was a big component in the beginning. I think the other thing is Brian and I have some mentors in our life who we lean on. We, some of them we had prior to coming together. Some of them we, we have found as we've been partners. And so when we get to a place where maybe there's a question on the table that we can't get to an answer, we call and we say, hey, can we talk this through with you? And then we're quick to table something if we can't get to resolution. Sometimes patience and time will allow itself to unwind a question that seems complicated. So we, we, we lean on that. And then I'll also express what Brian expressed. You know, trust first. We have, we have a teaching that a pastor taught us a long time ago about, and we call it filling the gap. And if you can imagine for a second, there's the gap exists between trust, between expectations and reality, excuse me. So you have something that you expect, but the reality of that situation is different than what you expected. And so you have a choice to make when you're looking at your business partner or maybe your wife or your children or a customer, and you have to choose, am I going to fill that gap with trust or am I going to fill it with suspicion? And over time, if you don't have a healthy relationship, you're going to fill that with suspicion and that's turns into bitterness and and really becomes a tough situation and we see that a lot in other partnerships for us we've chosen that we're going to fill that gap with trust when when my expectation and the reality don't meet am I going to look at Brian and get suspicious and frustrated angry whatever that is no I'm going to choose and it's going to be a conscious choice that I'm going to trust him I'm going to go to him and say tell me about that I'm going to give him a chance to explain if it if i I don't like what he says, we're going to be mature and we're going to talk through that and we're going to have it, have that hard conversation potentially, or we're going to ask someone to join us, a mentor and say, hey, work through this with us. We want to be adults, to be quite honest. And so I will tell you this, in the first three years, I wouldn't say that it was hard. It was just intentional we had to be intentional about those conversations and not let stuff harbor and, and be there. Right. We had, we had, especially when it comes to money, what a, what a, what a touchy topic. Right. But then as time's gone on, we, we have a high level of trust for one another. We come in and say, Hey, tell me what's going on. Something doesn't make sense. um, We get to it. And then one practical piece of advice is Brian said, we are over different departments. Our employees, would sometimes ask us something and they to get the answer they wanted from the right person. One piece of practical advice, talk to each other, defer to the other person. Hey, that's Brian's area of expertise. Go to him. Did you talk to him about that? Um, you have to be aware of those things because if not, you can give crossing information that will create tension in the business. And we chose to eliminate that and, and really implement that practice about four years ago. And that really helped as well.
0: Yeah, that's, that's awesome. You know, how often do you guys meet? And I would say formally and informally, let's, let's just say formally with the business, how often do you guys meet as partners in the, as business partners?
2: Yeah, we, we typically have one, one meeting a week where we sort of create a hour and a half or a two hour block um, that, you know, that we sit down and, and that, That is really, it's really intentional because we have so many irons in the fire, developing new systems and processes, teaching and training new staff. You know, we're in a hiring mode right now. So we've got a number of candidates that we need to be able to go over. And we're also dealing with an upcoming travel schedule that gets crazy in the fall. There's lots that goes on in outdoor living and conferences and things of that nature. It's one of our heaviest times of the year when we're not in the office as much. So we need to be planning and walking through those things together. So. We sort of do that. But the other thing is we, we really sort of do a lot of ad hoc here. I mean, we just kind of have a flow. Um, our offices are right next to each other so we can hear one another through through the walls. You know, I'll, I'll knock on John's door. If he's got the door open, I'll, I'll say, hey, do you have a minute? he'll do the same. And we just kind of circle up and, you know, we have a couple of meetings every week that are routine, a big rocks meeting where we kind of cover what are the big items that we need to get through this week. We do that with our leadership team. We're in that meeting. We share big rocks with one another. So we know What's the other guy working on this week? And and generally speaking, John's going to look at mine and say, oh, I probably need to interact with Brian in, in this area or these two areas to make sure he gets that stuff done this week. He's going to need X, Y, Z information, or he's going to want some input because he knows me and vice versa. I'll look at his and go, oh, he's – he's got to work on uh, financials or the monthly meeting is coming up. So I need to be sure that no one interrupts him for three or four hours the day that he has that. So make sure something's on the door and make make sure I'm available to ask, answer questions for the staff, et cetera. We just have a, a sort of a fluid movement to our day and our week. And, and then we, you know, we share a lot in the evenings, we will send a text message to each other, we'll go out and have a meal together, or we'll make a phone call to one another if we need to, you know, but that that's become a lot less of a necessity than it than it used to be, because we have a, a good cadence, I guess is a, a good way to say it, good so, cadence to the relationship in our day.
0: Yeah, so you've got the weekly meeting, and then you mentioned monthly,
2: so there's a monthly meeting as well? Correct. Well, We do a monthly meeting with the entire staff, and then we review the numbers, and we talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly. We, we do some um, safety training and things of that nature. And we recognize, you know, our team members who, who are having excellent months or had an excellent month, you know, sales guy of the month, production person of the month. And then we usually do a training of some kind during that time. So John usually leads that meeting. So he'll put time and energy in on that. And then, you know, we'll circle up after and, and make sure, hey, did we did we cover everything? Did we, cool. did we meet,
1: meet everybody's need?
0: Cool. And then do you guys meet quarterly as well to kind of plan out the next
1: quarter? Yep. Yeah, this is John. So um, we're part of a, another organization that's sort of trained what we call big rocks and quarterly action plan and so we, we pull away usually for a full day. Sometimes that correlates with some travel that we have, and we'll spend four to eight hours talking about the upcoming quarter. What are the three big focus areas we have for the company that quarter? Intentionality, planning, and uh, and that then we come back to the staff. Our uh, department leaders also are required to do quarterly planning as well, so we'll meet with them and And then that all rolls up into the annual plan.
0: So I was talking with somebody and I can't, I'm, I'm, I'm like banging my head against the wall, trying to remember who this person was and what was the particulars, but it doesn't, it, it, I guess it kind of doesn't matter because they were talking about partner, you know, their partner. And one of the questions I asked was how often do you and your partner sit down and meet? And they, and this person told me hardly ever. Can you believe that? I mean, I kind of believe it because it's 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 what we see out there. I mean, if you have a, a partnership where, you know, you've got two people that see what these guys have done. And if I can, we I'm watching the clock here and I, I've kept you longer than I, I promised you. So I'll, I'll start wrap, wrapping up here. But what these guys, I think, have, have really done a good job of is communicating with each other about what's important. There's that level of trust that's that's there, that's built into this relationship. But none of this stuff is really kind of left to chance. You know, you guys are so much about process and system that you guys aren't running out the door, running leads, chasing fires, off doing your thing and him doing his thing. You guys are in the office right next door to each other. And you're working on the business, working on the business together, right? And and this way, you have the same kind of goals in the same direction and you know, okay, here are the things we need to do to get where we need to go. And if you're in a business, first of all, if you're the sole owner, you better have a team of people that helps you kind of make that happen. But if you're in a partnership and you and your partner aren't communicating, how can you pass? You're running in two different directions. And so what that does is actually hurts the business. These guys, they're running in the same direction all the time. It's no wonder they're growing at the rate that they are. They're as profitable as they are. And they're working, they're basically working their way kind of out of, you know, having to be there every single day, which is all, all of that is really kind of the holy grail a business that works for us. Not us working for for it. So before we before we wrap, I kind of like to ask both of you the same question. What would you? I mean, looking back now, and obviously after ten years, you guys, I I I, I know your business better than most. Um, your clients, and we've done some some work together. So I'm a little more intimately familiar with your with your business today. I didn't know you five years ago. I didn't know you at 10 years ago when you first started. So what is one thing, one, one big thing that knowing what you know now, you would have done a little d- different back whenever, two years ago, five years ago, 10 years ago. Brian, you want to go
2: first? Sure. This is Brian. So pr- probably just in retrospect, when we started together, it took us a while, probably the first two and a half to three years was really just feeling out what are we trying to do where are we going? you know we had three business models that we were using uh, one for remodeling, one for exteriors and one for deck and and it took us a while to determine that the the most effective place for us to scale the company and grow the way we wanted to and gain, some of the freedom that we wanted to see as owners independently operating the business was to focus. Um, And we did not know what we didn't know. So uh, we needed to get involved with certified contractors and Maui Mastermind and get around good mentors who could help us to see that we were focused on way too many shiny objects, too many things flowing around in your peripheral vision and you're constantly not, paying attention to the thing, right? Yeah. So we made a decision about four years ago to really focus in in Outback. And we started scaling back the other areas of the company and focusing on deck. We continue to do that. And it has and it has paid huge dividends for us as owners and for our organization. And what that really means is it's paying huge dividends for our clients, right? So that's that was a, a big learning experience for me you know, as we were growing the business and learning to grow it together as
1: partners, John. That's awesome, John. Well, Brian stole my thunder because I was going to say focus. I think that was a big one. I think the other thing I would add is give yourself a raise. <laughs> I know that's kind of funny, but no, you know, you did the we did not the, here. Uh, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> we sort. We sort of struggled to give ourselves a raise for probably 3 years in the beginning and we just sort of you know we put all the profits back in the company and we just sort of sweat equityed a lot of that and looking back we could have Ourselves a little bit more and that would have helped things at home a little better and those types of relationships as well. Because, you know, we did work hard. We worked a lot back then and we were seeing the fruits of that now, but we could have, we could have enjoyed life a little bit back then too.
0: Yeah. Those are, and those are both awesome guys. I mean, focus, that was a big one for me too. And then I think everybody listening, if you've been thinking about giving yourself a raise, today might be the day.
1: Just do it. Just, Just, just do it. it. Just do
0: it. Well, guys, I appreciate you coming on and uh, sharing your story and your experience. I'm excited for the things that you guys are, are working on, and I think you got, you got a great story to tell, and I think there's a lot to learn from your partnership. I hope we've done a good job of helping people out there that might be in a partnership now or thinking about going into a partnership. Look, they can be amazing. You know, I've had a couple that were not so great, but I've got one right now that's really, really very good. I also happen to live with her. So that adds another layer of complexity. And it took me a while, you know, it took me, you know, a long time to learn that who the boss really is. And so anyway, that's, that's, that's me. But partnerships can be amazing. You know, they say one plus one equals three or one plus one in some cases equals 11. I think that's like what you guys are up to. So thank you again. I really appreciate it. And to everybody listening, make sure you go to thewealthycontractor.com. Check out what we've got there for you. And until next time, This is Brian Kaskavalsian with G4 Marketing Group, and this is the Wealthy Contractor Podcast. All right, so that's it for today's episode of the Wealthy Contractor Podcast. Let me ask you, did it help you look at your business in a new way? Did it spark an idea or ideas you hadn't thought of before? Do you have a list of action items that you can take and implement into your business or your life today? I really hope so. to help you, the home improvement entrepreneur, regardless of where you are on the wealthy scale, get where you wanna go. We wanna provide you with the motivation, the confidence, the resources and the tools so you too can live the life of the wealthy contractor. Now the wealthy contractor is a place where it's okay for you to want it all. In fact, it's not only okay, it's encouraged. So until next time, This is Brian Kaskovalsian with G4 Marketing.